All right, everybody, welcome to Sunday night service. Praise the Lord. We're going to have a great time together tonight in the house of the Lord, uh, listening to the word of God. Amen. Well, uh, we have financial peace universities going on next door, so we have got a boatload of people uh, taking that class, and so there's not as many with us over here tonight, but we're going to have a fantastic time together. Who's ready to receive from the word of God tonight? Amen. All right, let's stand up together, and we're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. Praise the Lord, and we're going to keep believing and declaring that our nation is coming to Jesus. Amen. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. And you may be seated. All right. Well, we're going to get into some announcements here this evening. Praise the Lord. Got a lot of great stuff going on. Um, so uh, first of all, we're going to keep reminding you each service just for the first little bit of the new year that we're not doing any food or drink in the main sanctuary other than water. We want to protect the carpets because we just did a lot to get those clean. And so thank you for helping with that. And uh, let's see what else we've got going on here. Uh, we'll get right into the announcements. Okay, so um, FPU uh, begins tonight. It's already started over there next door at 530. And so uh, if you want to hop in next week, there may still be time to squeeze in to next week's class, but that'll probably be about your last open window on that. But it is by far the most people we have ever had in that class, probably 10 times more than we've ever had. So anyway, we're excited for everybody that's taking that and learning how to handle their finances God's way. Amen. That's awesome. And then this Thursday night, we are going to be doing young adults uh, for ages 18 into the 20s there. Uh, it's going to be at 7 p.m. Thursday night at Jesse Winston's house. She's one of our young adults. And so there is a info sheet back there on the info booth. If you sign up on that, uh, we will make sure that you get the correct address. But as I said, I don't like to announce people's home addresses over the internet. So uh, we, I won't just throw her address out there, but we're really excited about uh, getting the young adults group going. And uh, it's going to be a really great kick after that. Okay. And then I do have a couple of uh, sign up sheets to pass around tonight because we love that so much and so um, first of all we've got baby dedications coming up this coming Sunday okay and so if your babies or your child has not been dedicated this would be a great opportunity for you and so uh, a, a dedication we understand that some churches and denominations maybe do like an infant baptism or christening well we don't do that we do a baby dedication and so if you sign up there that'll be next Sunday at 10 a.m. and it's a great chance to invite your family and friends to church and celebrate that day and next we have a marriage night coming up for all the married couples that'll be friday february 2nd 
at 6.30 over there in Victory Hall. We're providing free child care for you. And so we've got that covered. And then dinner is going to be a pitch-in style dinner with an Italian theme. And so bring an Italian dish to share, and it'll be great. And if you could, you could register online at hdwc.org slash married. And that'll help us have a little bit of a head count so we can uh, prepare properly. And so, again, Married's Night for all the married couples, Friday, February 2nd at 6.30. And then uh, Miss Summer Crank asked me to also announce this, that we are doing some signups for uh, the Easter service. For uh, We're putting together a play uh, for Easter this year. And so they want to start gauging who would be interested, children or adults. You sign up on there. That way we at least start to have an idea of if you're interested in being in the, the performance um, at Easter time. And, we, and I'm sure they'll have a lot more information on that. So this is just the beginning stages of gauging your interest level, okay? All right, well, I want to, uh, no, Pastor Katie, I think at the end of the service, we'll grab those from FPU, all right? Uh, but uh, we want to give out some membership certificates tonight because we have a lot of new members, yeah, all right? We were able to pass out a bunch this morning, then we've got some tonight from our Sunday p.m. Uh, crowd, and so let's see here, can I get Melissa to come on up, everybody? Melissa, yeah, one of our newest members, yes, we're excited to have Melissa officially a part of the family, and so just hang out with me here for just a second, and then I'm going to call Juliet Figueroa on up. Yeah, let's hear it for Juliet. Praise the Lord. All right, make sure I'm not missing any more that might be here tonight. We got a few over there in FPU, so amen. These ladies are officially a part of the family. Alex, you can take a picture. All right, very good. All right, let's hear it for our new members, everybody. Yes. All right. Very excited how God is sending more and more people to us to team up and bring in the end times harvest because the harvest is great. Who knows that tonight? Amen. All right. Well, who knows what time it is now? Amen. It is happy time, and that means it's time for our Sunday evening tithes and offerings. If you need an envelope, raise your hand, and the ushers will get one to you. And we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 6 tonight. Matthew chapter 6. I'll be in the New Living Translation, the NLT. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 6. And this is a really great chapter for a whole lot of uh, different stuff. But we're going to go here tonight down to verse uh, 33, Matthew 6 and verse 33. And this is a pretty well-known verse for a lot of us, but I want you to get this tonight. Matthew 6 and verse 33, and it tells us this tonight. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Someone say above all else. Above all else. And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. 
He will give you everything you need. And so as we are being faithful to tithe and and to give uh, of our offerings to the Lord, you know what? That is helping to seek the kingdom of God above all else. And so as, you know, our heart's desire, I know everybody here, their heart's desire is for the kingdom of God to advance. You want to see people receive Jesus. You want to see people giving their lives to the Lord. And part of you helping to make that happen is when you seek the kingdom, we're giving into the offering, we're tithing. It's helping us get the gospel out to more and more people. And the good news is this, as we obey God with this, it says he will give you everything you need. The King James says, all these things shall be added unto you and he will give you the things that you need so you don't have to live in worry. Amen. All right, well, let's stand up together tonight and we will speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. Then Pastor Josh is going to lead us into some worship, and then he's going to skedaddle to FPU because he has a class to teach, all right? So (laughs) he's doing double duty for us the next few weeks. But let's go ahead, and we will speak these words of faith. Let's say it. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously to the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. You can join me up front at the altar and let's just sing to the Lord together. You called out and entered darkness. You reached out to save us. You conquered the grave. You crossed the Stop higher, 
higher, my heart's burning bright like a fire, fire. Voices unite, make it louder, louder. I'm never gonna stop singing. I'm never gonna stop singing. Every heart will sing, every knee will bow to the risen King. Lift him up, lift him up, never gonna stop singing. Never gonna stop. Every tribe, every tongue, every heart will sing, every knee we will bow to the risen King. Lift him up, lift him up, never gonna stop singing. Never gonna stop. Higher, higher, hearts burning bright like a fire, fire. Voices unite, make it louder, louder. I'm never gonna stop singing. I'm never gonna stop singing. Time to sing every tribe, every tribe, every tongue. Every heart will sing, every knee we will bow to the risen King. Lift him up, lift him up, never gonna stop singing. Every tribe, every tongue, every heart will sing, every knee we will bow to the risen King. Lift him up, lift him up, never gonna stop singing. Never gonna stop higher, higher. My heart's burning bright like a fire, fire. Voices unite, make it louder, louder. Never gonna stop singing. Never gonna stop singing. And Jesus, we love.
Jesus, we want to thank you for eternal life. We're so grateful to know that when we were sinners on our way to hell, you made yourself real to us and we received you. And now we're the righteous on our way to heaven. And Lord, we know that between earth and heaven, you've got work for us to do. And we pray in this season at this church that all of our eyes will be open. Lord, we'd receive from you what it takes to fulfill your calling on each and every one of our lives. Thank you for the opportunities all around us every day, Lord. We know we're in the last of the last days. It's the end times. And we know, Lord, that if we'll be available, the fish are practically jumping into our boat. They want to be caught. People want to help. Lord, the things you're doing in this ministry right here are so evident that people are ready. It's ripe. It's harvest time. As I deliver your message tonight, thank you that the ones watch, watching online and the ones here are really going to be energized, fired up, and just see very clearly what their part is in the end time harvest. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's see. Hey, Alex, I want to show the devotional first of all. Uh, let, let me ask, how many people are actually going through these devotionals with us? They're online. They're back there on the uh, information booth. Get these. And it seems like lately, every time I'm preaching, I'm preaching on what's in the devotion. I, I wrote these, you know, over the last two or three years. It's been a while since I read them. Uh, written anything in there, but I get blessed every time I read these, not because I wrote them, because I yielded myself to the Holy Spirit for a couple of years to put a devotion together that He wanted. And so every time I read them, it's like I'm not reading something I wrote. I'm reading something that Jesus wants us to get, and then it's strange that where we are right now, this church thinks Pastor Dave's teaching about harvest at our, at, at, at our lives, that we keep saying things these last several days about the plan of God to find the plan of God, to follow the plan of God, to know the plan of God. And so that, that's the direction we're going to be going tonight. And uh, I got a title that's not just something catchy, but it's real. You might, you might want to write this down. It's going to be on the PowerPoint. Okay. Are you running your race or just racing for fun? Are you running your race or just racing for fun? And, and, and what that means is this. We can have fun in life, but if everything's just fun and, and never serious about the things of God, then we're never going to uh, stand in front of Him. He's not going to be happy with us. You know, I was, think, I was thinking as we were worshiping that my family, when I was raising Pastor Dave, Josh, and the rest of my kids, we had eight kids. But when, when I was raising the kids, we always had fun. We had vacations. And I was thinking of a funny story. Uh, you know about our vacations. One year we was out in, uh, we always went to New England because Mrs. Pastor's family was New England. Well, I had a fairly brand new Lincoln Town Car one year. And we went out there, of course, we went to Cooperstown for the Baseball Hall of Fame, went to Niagara Falls, did a lot of things, visited people. But we had a relative out there 
that he was an FBI agent assigned to the mafia. Matter of fact, years ago, uh, he took down one of the big guys. But anyway, pulled up in his yard out there to visit the family, and I was driving this new town car. He walked out there looking real strange at me, and he said, I thought the Godfather pulled up my yard. He said, he said I thought that was the Godfather's car. I said, no, it's God the Father's car. <laughs> I said, it's God the Father's car. And I think about that to think this, that when we recognize how real Jesus is, things like that come out of our mouths without thinking about it. We just automatically are fishing, we're talking, we're harvesting all the time. We just think about those things, but I was thinking that my family always had fun vacations. We've been a very serious Christian family all of our married life. What, what is it, 43 years this year? I think 40, 42, 43 years this year. We've always been serious. We've had fun. I think about after church back in Indiana with all the kids we had, uh, this is for all the prices went up really high like a long time ago. Uh, one place we'd go that, we, that the kids like to go to Taco Bell. And we went to Taco Bell. I, d I didn't want to be so free spending with money around other people all the time. My kids suffered. So we go to Taco Bell. We walk up to this cash register, and we didn't order combos. I told the kids, get whatever they want. And so my bill a lot of times would be $50 just for little kids at Taco Bell. This is back when a normal Taco Bell would have been $10. And it got to where the manager there, I didn't know her, but the manager says coming in on Wednesday night, she come out, she had this uh, thing around her neck, lantern, with a, some kind of a code thing on it. And the girl going to ring me up, she says, here, here, give me a discount. And she give me half off. <laughs> but what I'm saying is this, our family had fun. And we had times we went out to eat with the church people, but I did not want to put my kids in the back of the bus and say, guys, you're not church people, you don't count. So we had fun, and you know the good news out of that, look at my family. I know, I, know, I know preachers that their kids could not wait to turn 18 so they could run because dad and mom were religious and wanted to save the world but didn't care about their family. So anyway, this title here, don't let it throw you off. Are you running your race? Or are you just running for fun? And so we as Christians, we're going to look at a lot of things in the Bible tonight about our race that we have from God. As we were worshiping, I was thinking about something else, too. Jesus and Paul told us many different ways to describe our life on earth. He said, follow me, and I'll make you what? Fishers of men. He calls winning the lost fishing. And then also Jesus told us that, uh, you know, pray the Lord of the harvest to harvest the harvest fields. And I wrote down some of the things that he called us. And then he, they called us soldiers. Called us soldiers in God's army. We're out there in warfare to win the lost and then also, he, he talked about us as athletes. And that's the part we're going to look at tonight more than anything, is running the race, that we're not, we're not just on a sprint. Christianity is not just to get all excited and be a church person for six months or three months or something and then drop out of the race. We're in a marathon. We're in a marathon. And what I've always seen in that marathon, I've never been into marathons and stuff like that. I've never really ever watched one. I've just seen clips of them. But I know when those people are running for 25 miles, the things they do, as they're running, they got family and friends and people in the crowds are running. Somebody is fanning them when they come past. Somebody's throwing water on them. Somebody's giving them water. Somebody's patting them on the back and telling them, keep on going. What do you think a church service is all about? You're running. Somebody needs to throw some water on you in here sometimes. Talk about spiritual refreshing. You come in and, and you got a pastor or a spiritual leader. We're like the coach. We're showing you what to do. You can do it. You can do it. And, and I don't know about you, 
I know about me, if I got somebody that's going to tell me how to do something, I want to be somebody that's done it, have finished the race, has a good track record. That's why I like to listen to seasoned ministers. I love new guys that's getting started because I was a new guy once, and I mean, I thought I knew something until I started getting up in front of people and I found out how much I didn't know, but I kept at it until I did know. And so that's why Christians need to recognize their marathon race as they keep on running they start getting weary. They start getting tired. They need some support to finish the race. But I, I want to look. I want to look at our theme verse for the year to start off with. Luke ten two, in the NLT. That's what Pastor Dave likes. I still say I like BLT, but we'll go with NLT. That's my newest old man joke. Okay, just laugh at it for a while. When if you quit laughing, I'll quit telling. Okay, NLT, New Living Translation. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. I want to say this in case, in, ca in case you don't get it yet. We are all workers already in his field. Whether we work or not, we are. You know, we're not, we're not like the government. We don't, we don't pay you. Jesus doesn't pay you if you don't work. He loves you, but the reward comes in working for the kingdom. We're all workers for the kingdom. So when you're praying for workers, you got to recognize that you're one, and you got to find out what it is you're supposed to do to work for Jesus. And so that's why I say, if you're just running your race, but you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, you're just running for fun. You're on your own. And so uh, we're living in the last of the last days. How many can recognize that from the Bible things you've read? This is the last of the last days. I think about, I think about all the stories that Jesus told about the end times and that Paul told, guess what? They were 2,000 years ago. They were talking about the day we live in. And as you read Matthew 25 in different places of the Bible, you're going to see a lot of things that they said. When you see these things begin to happen, look up. Because you know your redemption draws nigh. And, you know, I know because we live in an earth suit and we have a natural mind, it's really hard to make it seem real to us that this could really happen. It's really hard to think, Jesus might really come back while we're still alive. This might happen. And so this is very real what we're doing. And so I, I want to I give you some faith from the Word of God about where we are in God's time frame tonight for us as individual believers because this is harvest time. This is the last of the last days. And how, how many heard Pastor Dave this morning talking about eternity? That, that, is, that is so real. That rope example is so real. That little, that little bitty three inches there of red is your life compared to eternity. And I know when I got saved, the way the Lord said to me was this, that our lifetime on earth is like one drop of water in all the oceans on the earth. Take one drop, looks like nothing. Well, that's what eternity is. It's, it's, it's so massive like the oceans compared to one drop of water. There's no way a human brain could get a hold of that. But it's for real, for real, for real, for real. And I think about that rich man in Lazarus he talked about this morning. I've always thought about that compared to people I've known. Every human being that ever died without receiving Jesus is still burning. They're crying out forever and ever and ever and ever. And every human being that ever died that was born again, mansions, river of life down the middle, tree of life up there, and streets of gold, and all those things going on, they're still there forever and ever and ever and ever. And I think if Christians ever really 
started believing that that's real, they might be more serious with their walk. And, you know, I, I, think, I think about all the different things we can do for fun. And we're going to look, look some things in the Bible. we got to make sure we don't overdose on the fun and life part and ignore the most important part. I, I, was, thinking, I was thinking about, about football and baseball and the different sports. I was thinking, man, all the great athletes has ever been, they cannot take a Super Bowl ring to heaven. It means nothing to heaven to have a Super Bowl ring. It means nothing to have a World Series championship trophy in heaven. Those things mean nothing. You know, they make people feel good for a time on earth, and I'm not knocking any of that. But as Christians, I want to show you the Word of God tonight that there's more to life than that. Amen. Amen. There's more to pleasing Jesus than that. And so are you running your race, or are you just running for fun? Now, I, wa I, want you, I want you to go look at Acts chapter 20. And I'm thinking about different Bible verses that I know. And so many times it's easy to focus on the negative. But I think about the end times. I think about Isaiah 60. He said at, 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 the, at, at the end of the age, said, said the world's going to get darker and darker, said gross darkness is going to cover the human race. But he said the glory is going to be brighter than the darkness. And then I, I think about what Paul said in Timothy. He said, in the end times, evil men are going to wax worse and worse and all the horrible things. But at the same time, uh, he said, where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. And so we, as Christians, must not feed on secular news so much that all we see is the evil. Amen. I think about Psalms 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I'm not afraid to walk my streets. I'm not afraid to go to sleep at night. I'm not afraid of what might be in the food. I'm not afraid because I don't have the spirit of fear. I'm following Jesus, and Psalms 91.1 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm going to stay close enough to God. His shadow covers me, and I'm not afraid of evil. You understand what I'm saying? We, as Christians, the end times, cannot run our race and fulfill our calling from God if we walk around in fear. Faith cometh by hearing what? Fear cometh by hearing the secular news. They'll tell you how bad people are, how mean people are. I do my best about news to watch what news I watch, and basically what I do is look at headlines on the Internet. If I see a headline that catches my story, that catches my, catches my attention, I'll read the story. But the thing is, no matter who's president or what party's in, in office, you're always going to hear, they're bad, they're bad, they're bad, they're going to destroy you. We're good, we're good, we're good. Bad, 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 good, good, good. Jesus said there's none good but God. And so we as Christians need to make sure we're able to run our race effectively. So Acts 20, we're going to look at verse 23 and verse 24. Acts 20, verse 23 and 24. Uh, Paul, Paul, this is actually a minister's conference. He's, he's, talk, he's talking to preachers and ministers. And this, here's what he told in verse 23, he talked about his own life. He said, verse 23, except the Holy Ghost witness or told me that in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. In other words, he said, man, everywhere I go, somebody's going to be after me and wants to hurt me. And so for, Christ, for Christians, I know this. That, 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 that if you're a Christian that's a serious believer, there's going to be people influenced by the devil that hates you because you love Jesus. 
They hate your lifestyle. They hate how you live. They hate how you act. They hate how you believe. And so the devil of demons and people influencing them is going to try to hound you everywhere you go. You know, I, I know that Jesus said this. He said when they persecute you, he said, jump up and shout because they persecuted the prophets before you. And so if you're a Christian, you just got to realize that sometimes you're going to be lied about. You're going to be falsely accused. People are going to hate you, and you don't have to wonder, I didn't do anything to them. Yes, you did. You're born again, and your lifestyle convicts their lifestyle because you're a witness. And so Paul said then, and I, wa I want you to see this. Here's how Paul responded. He said, he said, all this trouble and hard times are out there, but none of these things move me. None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. And, you know, as I'm thinking about that, I think about my life. I had to mature as a preacher to finally see how life really was for our Christian walk. And I come to realize that Jesus called me. Jesus saved me. Jesus will judge me. And so when he has me witness to people, say things, when he has me preach things that maybe people don't like, I think, wait a minute, you're not the one that called me to do this. Jesus did. The Holy Spirit's the one that lives in me, and he's the one that leads me. He's the one that teaches me. And then when I take my last breath, I'm not going to stand in front of you. I'm going to stand in front of him, so I'm going to do what he wants. And once I, once I got over that, by the way, the Bible calls that the fear of man. Proverbs says, the fear of man bringeth a snare. Whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be delivered. So I learned a long time ago that I would rather I would rather grieve a human being than grieve the Holy Ghost. I learned that. None of these things move me. And what am I saying? I'm not saying to be mean to people, but sometimes when people are in trouble and God wants you to help them, you got to speak the truth in love. And if they get mad, if they get mad, slap you in the face or start lying about you, or walk away from you and say, don't ever talk to me again, you can't help that. Because Ezekiel said, if you see the wicked man in his wickedness, you don't warn him, his blood's on your hands. But he said, if you see people in wickedness and you warn them, the blood's not on you, it's on them. And so we as believers have to know, none of these things move me. If somebody likes me, hallelujah. If somebody doesn't like me, hallelujah. Jesus loves me, and I belong to him. Amen. Is this helping anybody? Yes. Paul said, none of these things move me. He said, the Holy Ghost already told me everywhere I go, people's waiting on me because they're inspired by the enemy. And so he said, you know what? None of these things move me. But here's why, and this is what we're talking about tonight. Here's why. He said, so I might finish my course with joy. So I might finish my course with joy. And I want you to listen close. Because I'm going to teach you some things from this verse here. I learned a long time ago, you need to see him too. Finish my course with joy. And uh, what that means is your course, see, let's talk about a race, a man running a race. Your course is your everyday lifestyle as a believer. You'll never be f effective for Jesus unless you live like a Christian every day. Live like a Christian every day. Purpose in your heart to not backslide. Stay saved. And if you have a bad day, man, if you get sucked into sin, man, as soon as you come to your senses, jump out of it. Repent. Get right with Jesus. First John 1, 9 is for the believer. 
said if you confess your sins, he's faithful to just forgive you and cleanse you, man. Get cleaned up by the blood and jump back in. Live like a Christian every day, every day, every day. Doesn't mean we're perfect. How do Christians live? Christians do the best they can for Jesus. If they miss it, they don't jump in a hole and say, I quit. They say, Jesus, oh, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me, Jesus. Help me not to do that again. And then if they fall into again, Jesus said, how many times are you supposed to forgive your brother if he sins against you? He said seven times 70 in one day. And so if he expects us to forgive a fellow believer seven times 70, don't you think he'd do the same? Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And then he also said, and finish the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Your ministry then is different than your course. Your course is your life. All Christians should do their best to keep on growing in the Word of God, to keep on doing better and better and quit making the same mistake over and over again. There all come a point in time that the things that trapped you 20 years don't get you now. And if they do, you jump out of the trap a lot quicker than you used to. Anyway, your ministry said he wants to finish his course with joy at his ministry. Your ministry is your specific field that you're called to as God's representative to others. Your specific field. And in my life, I was looking at my life when I was writing this out, that I was called for a lot of years in the ministry of being a Christian truck driver. My ministry was a Christian truck driver, and most of that with my proving grounds and my training for what I'm doing today. A lot of things I do today and say is things I used to say as a truck driver. The Lord was teaching me how to talk to people and, and tell them about Him. And so I was a Christian truck driver. Now I'm in the fivefold ministry. And the Bible tells Ephesians 4, He's made apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And so now I'm not just somebody that teaches the Bible in small group Bible studies. I teach people, crowds of people. Lots of people, both here and on the Internet. And so that's what my field is right now. Uh, I'm not so much a pastor right now. I'm an oversight pastor because of my position in the kingdom of God. I oversee everything going on here. But I'm not a micromanager. My hands aren't in the everyday business. But my anointing, my gifting, my calling, my wisdom, my experience with Jesus for all these years helps this place work. And I have, I have my, my sons. They call upon me for things that I know and learn. And they trust because of what I got, so I know my field. And I'm a Bible teacher. I'm a stronger Bible teacher than ever. This is my field is to teach people how to understand the Bible so they quit losing and start winning in life. Amen? Okay. And then also, I'm not a traveling minister. Some pastors do a lot of traveling. I've wanted to over the years. He's never allowed me to really do that. And so I'm not a traveler. What I'm saying, I know my field. My field is right here at High Desert Word Center. Now we're getting ready to expand a little bit and do some more in town. But the thing is, I know what my, what my course is, stay saved, live like a Christian. Look, my ministry is teach the Bible where God called me to teach it at, right here at High Desert Word Center. Only place I've ever planned on moving to from here is heaven. Long ways down the road, not planning on leaving here. And uh, so for us, couple things we must know to be in position to be effectively used by Jesus. Number one, we must know what we're supposed to do with our life. And two weeks ago on a Sunday night, I taught on uh, from uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, 
about God has a good plan for your life, and I taught some things that night about how to find out what the plan is. And so we as Christians, to be, to be effective as laborers at his harvest, as workers at his field, we got to know, number one, what it is we're supposed to be doing. And I want to say it again, the first thing is stay saved. There's no more goofier of a Christian witness than somebody that's saved one week and the next week they're back like the world. Man, you have no witness. You don't have anything anybody wants to hear. All you're doing is what they're doing. They're sinning and having fun, and you're sinning and being miserable. <laughs> that's like a fish out of water. You know, you think about somebody that's not ready for God yet. You get around a bunch of Christians, they feel, they feel like they're supposed to feel lost. But when you're a Christian... And I've known too many backsliders over the years. When you're a Christian and you think you get back out of the sinner's field and enjoy it, you don't. And if you temporarily, if you temporarily fake it, think you're having a good time, the next morning when you wake up, you hate yourself. You're miserable in life. And so you might as well decide, I'm staying saved. I'm going to live like a Christian. And then when you do, the people that are around you watch your life, talk about the non-church people, the sinners, they're going to look at you. And they're going to say, Ernest, I really respect you. You had a chance, you had, you had a chance, and I saw you say no. And I've seen, too many, I've seen too many Christians that get on the job and they preach everybody else to hell, and then they go themselves and live like hell. But said, you don't preach us to hell. You love us like Jesus would love us. And then we see at the same time, you act like Jesus would act. You say no to sin. And you say yes to living right. Amen. And so that's the first number one thing. And so the, the next part, you don't, ha you don't have a ministry if you don't live for Jesus for every day. You might be called, but you're not chosen yet. Didn't he say many are called, but few are chosen? Well, he can't choose you if you're a phony. I love it when I get away from my notes. <laughs> and so number one, you got to know what you're supposed to do in life. And then number two, this is just important. You got to know where you're supposed to do it at. You got to know where you're supposed to do it at. As sometimes God changes your field. At one time, Mrs. Pastor and I and our family had a great church in central Indiana. And we loved it. And it was like Elijah the prophet, the brook dried up. The anointing wasn't there anymore. The grace wasn't there. And so we had to stay close enough to Jesus to find out, Lord, what's going on? What are we supposed to do? And he called us to Barstow, California. And so then the anointing was back. The grace was back. And so you as Christians have to know there's different seasons of life. And, you know, I think about, I think about denominations. As a pastor, I thought, but this a lot of times. There's a lot of, there's a lot of denominations today that are doing what God had them doing 200 years ago, but it's changed. They're still trying to make things that worked 200 years ago work today, and they're called dead. They're dead works. And so as Christians, as ministers, we got to stay in tune with the Holy Spirit. we got to be able to pray, live for Him, and we got to be able to say no to all the things of the world, distractions, and yes to the Holy Spirit to find out what He's saying we're supposed to be doing today. One thing's for sure, staying saved never changes. Worshiping Jesus never changes. Loving people never changes. Talking right with your mouth never changes. Saying no to alcohol, drugs, and sexual sin and things never changes. Bible principles never change. 
but sometimes methods and ways to do things do change. And we always, we always got to be sensitive for the times we live in. Back, back when I started off this years and years and years ago, they didn't have barcodes yet. I remember that happened back in the early 1980s. People started warning about the mark of the beast. Talk about these barcodes. I remember the first time I went to a supermarket. They didn't have scanner or anything like that. They had some kind of a thing there on the light at the counter, put your food down there. And that girl didn't push the keys to rig it up. She scanned it across that. I thought, oh, man, the mark of the beast that I'm in here. <laughs> no, so look look at where we are now. Look at barcodes. Look at all the different ways. That do, what's the little box thing? Got all the little things in it? QR, code. QR codes. Look at all those different things they got now. Things have changed. Our church uses QR codes. Our church uses barcodes. We do all those things now. That's modern times. You know, if a preacher, if ministers today can't go along with modern technology, they're going to be left behind. So we've got to be, we've got to be willing to change. And so anyway, uh, he said, none of these things move me. And then look at, look at, look at why. He said, finish the ministry that I received of the Lord Jesus. To finish the ministry. To finish the ministry. To finish the ministry. Whatever God has called you to do, Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, the gifts and call of God are about repentance. And, uh, you know, anybody that's ever started a small business knows that when you get something started, normally you don't have profit for a while. It takes a while to get things moving and rolling. And I think about us when we started our first church back at the YMCA in Martinsville, Indiana. Uh, man, we're a long way from that stinky YMCA. I did not know the YMCA stunk. But I found out that Martinsville had a whole lot more people than whatever knew about. On Sunday morning, 7 o'clock, man, you would be surprised that all the people can't get up for church at 10 to fill a YMCA up at 7. And then by the time our service started at 10 o'clock, it smelled like a sweaty locker room. That's all I can say. Man, that smell would start coming through that room we was having our services in, and we get up the service about noontime. we go to leave that place. They had to walk down those little hallways, get out of that place. You about had to hold your nose. It stunk so bad. But the whole thing was... We didn't stay there. We did grow. But we had to be there a while, put up some suffering before we could grow. And so as Christians, what I've seen happen so many times, it used to be, I remember back in Indiana, something seemed to be so popular. Uh, where are you going to church at now? Oh, I found the church. I found the job. That's my church. And then you run those people a year later. Man, I found a new church. And boy, this is, oh, man, we found the church. Then said a year later, they ask you, where are you going to church at? I always said, the same place. That's where God's got me. Yeah. Still going to the same place. They was always hopping around and quitting because they didn't want to do what they heard taught in the Bible. They got convicted, so they would change churches that were fruitful. Or what are you called, what, uh, what, what are you called to do? Uh, man, I'm, call, I'm called to feed the poor. Run into a year later. What are you called to do? Man, I'm, 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 call, I'm called to go to nursing homes. What are you called to do? Well, I, I, I'm called to, to unwed mothers. That's what I'm called to do. I'm, I'm called to help, help people unwed mothers. And they kept on changing every year because they would hit a wall and they'd stop. And all I ever thought, I wasn't bold enough then, but I am now, is I would tell them now, God's not schizophrenic. If God called you to do that, God expects you to finish that. I want to say it again. This is for you. This is for me. Paul said, and finish the ministry he called me to. He said, none of these things move me. 
He said, I don't care if people like me or if they don't like me. I don't care if I'm in jail or out of jail. God called me to testify the gospel of the grace of God, and I will do that. I won't be moved. If I got a lot of money, glory to God. If I don't have any money, and then you'll see a lot of times Paul said, I learned how to be a base. I learned how to abound. He said, I've learned how to live with nothing, and I've learned how to live with a lot. He said, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Amen. And we're talking about the race that God's called you to. I better keep on moving because i got a lot of good stuff I want to get to. Uh, so anyway, whatever, whatever your career is, job or wherever you're at in life right now, that's your field of ministry as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ and your Heavenly Father. He's the Lord of the harvest. Wherever you're at right now in life, if you have sought God about your job, about your career, and you know, I, I can't help but see Irma back there. You know, Old, old Faithful, her, I think her middle initials, Irma W. Walmart. That's Mrs. Walmart. And I hear we got another Mrs. Walmart Jr. in here. <laughs> but, the, but the thing is, how many know has ever seen Irma in Walmart? Would you call that a ministry? People see her there. That's a woman walking her ministry. Well, I think about her husband, Dave. Old Farmer Dave. You know, we don't, have, we don't have a lot of people in this area that has his profession. He works on farmers' tractors and combines of their equipment, all their stuff there. That's what he does. But I'll guarantee you, because I know him personally, he's a witness everywhere he goes. And you know the thing about these fields you're in? Everybody can't work your field because it's your field. I would be a horrible Walmart worker. I wouldn't do any good at all because that's not my field. You know, when you're in your field, it's easy to do a couple. Well, look at back there. Mrs. Faithful Sydney sitting back there. About all the years she's in the school system. That, that lady helped run one of our elementary schools. Everybody knew Cindy. She misses nice and everything like that. But then sometimes people found out Mrs. Nice could be Mrs. Tough. But that was her field. We've all got to know that wherever God's got us at, we stay saved and we work our field. You've got grace, which one definition of grace when it comes to ministry is called this, divine enablement. God gives you divine enablement. He gives you favor. So when you're in your field, God causes things to work easy for you. And somebody else tries to be there, they don't work that way for them spiritually because they're not in the field they're supposed to be in. You can't run from your field. When tough times come, I know a guy that uh, preaches in Barstow, California now, and he's preaching on Sunday night right now at a church here in Barstow called High Desert Word Center. I know one time God had him on a job he was supposed to be on and had two really, really, really rough sinners, and uh, it was rough, 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 rough. After about three years, he got tired of it, and he bailed out to go get a better job. Well, he jumped out of the frying pan into the fire when he took the next job. He thought... He thought, I'm talking about me, I was working with a couple of the devil's favorite kids. Well, when I quit that job and got out of that field too soon, I started working for the devil. That was one of the most horrible, horrible, horrible years of my life when I left where I was supposed to be. And why was that? Those things moved me. I got moved by being lied about. I got moved on being cussed out. I got built, moved by just all the persecution off this boss they, they, they were both uh, boozers together. My dispatcher and this truck driver were fellow truck drivers. They, they drank together. 
and he'd lie about me. He'd go tell all kinds of lies on me and set me up for failure. And I would honestly work 12 hours a day off my truck sometimes, not taking lunch or breaks. They gave me so much to do to get the job done. I mean, I was a very, very much asset to that company, but I got lied on. And finally, after three years, I ran. But after a short while, I realized what had happened when this other guy was a whole lot worse than they ever dreamed about being. This guy, this guy could be meaner, tied up with the blindfold onto me, than those guys there with their eyes wide open and running. This guy was mean, 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 mean. But what, what happened? I got moved from my field. I got moved from my calling. And I, I realize now as a mature Christian, persecution goes with the calling. Well, Pastor, I wouldn't confess that. I just said what the Bible says. So you've got to know how to handle persecution as Christians. You've got to know when you're doing right, you've got a right heart with God. You can't run from the problem. You've got to stick it out till God moves you. Amen, amen. I hope you're getting something out of this because I am. It's blessing me. And so I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm talking now about running your race to win. Not just to have fun, but running your race to finish your race. And that's what Paul said. Paul said, I'm going to finish my course. And did you notice also he said with joy? Anybody notice that? With joy. And, of course, if you know the Bible, Nehemiah 8.10 says the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you get depressed easily, if you get down and get the blues easily, if you're easily prone to whining, complaining, and murmuring, and griping, you'll never finish your race. you never finish your ministry. You've got to learn to laugh at the devil. You've got to learn to laugh at problems. <laughs> I remember one time I had a car. And didn't didn't have a lot of money. Matter of fact, uh, a lot of people don't know what this car was. But it was about a 1960 Renault. David Renault is. I had a Renault, a French car, way back a long time ago, and I had bald tires. <laughs> I'll never forget it. I was at this friend's house, and right before I got to his house, I hit a, I hit a pothole of the road, and my left front tire blew out with flat. And I pulled up there. I said, "Man, I need help." I said, I said, my tire just blew out. He looked at me and started shaking his head and said, man, he said, now your left rear's flat too. <laughs> when things like that happen, you got to know how to laugh. If you can't laugh, you're never going to make you just laugh and then you just realize Jesus is going to take care of this. Amen. So you got to know those things. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 Paul said, no, know you not that they which run in a race. See, we're talking about running your race. We're talking about an athlete now, a marathon runner. Run your race. Everybody runs, but one receives the prize, the prize. And this is so important. So run that you may obtain. Run that you may obtain. You got to make up your mind that you're in a lifelong marathon. You'll keep running until you take your last breath. And Pastor Dave talked about this morning, and you cross the finish line, and you stand in the presence of Jesus. You know, I don't know, I don't know how God does things, but I know the Bible tells us what he does do. And at least two places I can think of, Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so I don't I don't know how he does it with all, all the millions of people in the world and all the Christians are in the world, 
how he does that. But if a thousand people die all at the same time, half of them are Christians, then Jesus said, you're in the presence of the Lord. So I just know that when I take my last breath, I'm not just going to be in heaven, but I'm going to see Jesus. How can you be in the presence of the Lord if you don't see him? You know, you're in the presence of Pastor Samples right now because you see me. I'm in the presence of a bunch of loving Christians because I see you. So if you're going to be absent of the body, be present with the Lord, that means you're going to be present with the Lord. You can be with Jesus. And, of course, I know I'll get to see my mom and dad, my grandmas and grandpas and my brother and, and people I know that went to heaven before me. And so when you take your last breath, another one of my grandsons just arrived. <laughs> and, so, and so anyway, you, need, you make up your mind. He said, so run that you may obtain. You've got to run to win. And so run that you may obtain when you take your last breath. You'll cross the finish land, line of life on this side. And then that rope that Pastor Dave talked about, that's the end of the red. Now you're in forever when you get there. And so verse 25 to 27 tells us the things that we need to do to help us finish our race and finish to win. Every man that, every man that striveth for the mastery, that means everybody that competes in athletics, is temperate, self-controlled in all things self-controlled in all things. I would never confess I don't have any self-control. I don't have any self-discipline. The Bible tells us the fruit of the Spirit, one of them is temperance. That means self-control. You can say, I haven't really developed self-control much, but I'm working at I'm working at self-control in what I eat, how I talk, what I watch, what time I go to bed, what time I get up, you can start exercising self-control. He's talking about an athlete. He said everybody competes, has self-control. I know that I've got a little, little granddaughter. She's in college now. Man, all my little ones are, if they're not raising families, they're in college. But anyway, she wanted to be an Olympic swimmer all of her life. And from the time, I think, from the time she's about three years old, her mom took her most of the time all year long to try out for for exercise and swimming, swimming uh, training and all those things seven days a week most of the time for all of her life. And right now where she is, she's kind of shifted a little bit and majored some other things. But I watched her for at least 15, 16 years uh, self-control. Watch what she eat, watch what she did. She was skinny as a rail, but she could swim like a fish, a fast fish. That did really good. And I think about the other athletes that, I mean, I don't follow sports, but most of you probably do. All these different athletes, the things they do, those people sacrifice and sacrifice for one thing, to win some ring or some fame that they can't take to heaven. And he said everybody that competes, everybody that competes said they're tempered in all things. And so as Christians, to finish our race, to finish our ministry, we have got to develop self-control. And one self-control that I'm so grateful I learned as a young man, and I'm glad I was single when I first got saved for a few years, because I was able, I was able to go to bed early, and I had my Bible right beside my bed, went to bed reading verses to learn them and quoting them as I slept, got up early. I didn't have a family to take care of. I didn't have that responsibility. All I had to do was be able to get to work on time, do my job there. But I, I was self-controlled in what I did. The little apartment I got to rent, uh, it was a furnished apartment above this old woman's 
uh, residence where she lived at had, well, this is where they had all the modern TVs, still had the thing on the wheels, the little brown thing, it rolled. And so the first thing I did when I moved into that place, I rolled it over to the corner, put it in the corner, I put a cloth over so I'd never see it. Because I was a TV addict before I got saved. And so I knew, I knew if I'm in here by myself all the time and that thing's there, then I'm not going to be very strong as a Christian. And so to be self-controlled, I knew the best thing I could do was to hide it. And the only time that thing ever came out, I got my little girls on weekends a lot of times. So when it came out, they would want me to roll it out. I rolled out for them. They'd watch cartoons on Saturday morning, then it was back up and hidden again. But think about it. People, people today, even Christians, they so much want to get their physical body in shape that they do all kinds of things. They will get up early and go to the gym. I'm not judging that, not talking about it. But I got up early every day and went to the Holy Ghost gym. I got up, and in my apartment there, because it was just me and nobody could see me, I would dance around before the Lord like this, not to impress anybody, but I saw that David did that. And I wanted to dance around. I would jump. I would shout. I would praise. Get up there where you belong. And so I, I, I did those things because I learned discipline and self-control. I watched what I ate. I watched who I hung out with. Why was that? I was in training for reigning. Amen. I, I wanted to make sure that I won in what I was supposed to be doing. And so he said, temperate in all things, they do have to obtain a corruptible crowd, a crowd that's, you know, disappears. We're in a corruptible. Now look at this. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. He wasn't just running for fun. He was running to win. And so, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. And I always think of a funny story when I, when I read that. But he said in, in the Living Bible that says, I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. Does anybody know what shadow boxing is? You ever see those guys got the little ball thing, hit the boop, 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 they'll bump that thing around. He's not going to win any prize by hitting that thing around. He's doing that for trading, but that's not what he's doing. But I remember one time when I was first in trucking, back in 1969, uh, man, I was just a young kid, working on the dock, had this one guy that thought he was really tough. He was just a, just a loudmouth, a bully, thought he was really tough. They had this other guy that was an older man, probably 15 years older than him, he was a tavern guy. And, you know, anybody's ever hung around taverns, you got some guys that are bona fide fighters, and they don't have to try to be, they're just tough. And they're not just tough, they're mean. I remember old George wanted to mess around with Russell. Russell was the tavern guy. George was just the bully. He talked big and, and all loud and stuff like that. He was kind of a well-built guy, but I'll never forget it. I mean, I just think about this, and really I was so happy to see it happen because George bullied me sometimes. I was glad somebody uh, took his lights out. Anyway, on the dock there one night, George comes up and starts doing the, hey, man, let's, 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 let's. And so George just kind of does a little slap stuff. And, and <laughs> old Russell, man, whop, hit him upside the head. George is laying there all days like, hey, man, I'm just playing. He said, I don't just play around. I fight to win. <laughs> I always thought about that. I always thought about that. So look at this verse right here. He said, I run to win. I'm not just playing around. I'm not just out for a jog. I'm not taking a walk. He said, my Christian life is real. I know heaven's real. I know hell's real. I'm not playing games. I'm going to win. And I know that for Mrs. Pastor and I, for all of our Christian life, all of our Christian life 
before we were preachers all of our Christian life. If anybody, friend, family, church member showed up at our house on a Saturday night, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, knock on the door, we basically tell them, tomorrow's church day, we can't fellowship tonight. Uh, you know, we'd love, we'd love to see some other time, but we got to go to bed, got to get our kids to bed, we got to get up early tomorrow, and I know you mean well, and we love you, we're not mad at you, it's just we got a routine, we got to stick with our routine because we cannot afford to miss church tomorrow. You know what that was? That was a quality decision. That was a choice we made because we knew what was more important. These people come here, and even if there's good church members, Christians, why can't we fellowship on Friday night? Why can't we go out together after church on Sunday and talk for a while? Well, see, people that want to start, start fellowship at 9 o'clock on a Saturday night, to me, they're not very serious Christians. Hey man, well I'm talking about I'm talking about our race. We wasn't we wasn't just shadow boxing. We were for real. Mrs. Pastor and I wanted to be real Christians. We wanted to be strong Christians. We wanted our kids to be strong. We wanted to be able to protect our house in spiritual warfare. And so anyway, it says in verse twenty seven then, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. I keep under my body. And another translation says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. I make my body do what it needs to, not what it wants to. I make my body do what it needs to, not what it wants to. And, and I, I, I was talking to somebody today about eating and things like that. Well, I know since I've got older, my body tries to do some things it didn't used to try to do, and I've got to make it behave. So there's some foods I don't eat now. Because I found out at this phase of life, my body doesn't respond to how it used to to certain kinds of foods. So I have to eat different now. Why is that? That's because I want my body to last. I want it to not wear out. I want it to go to sleep at nighttime and not roll around. I have to pray and take authority over things trying to happen in my body. I want my body to rest. Why is that? Because I'm in a marathon. And as far as I know, my marathon is not going to end until I'm 85 years old at least, unless Jesus comes back first. Hey man, I'm going to finish my race. And so that's, that's, what, that's what Paul said. And so we're talking about racing to win, not just racing for fun. And so you need to choose to live a life of discipline and self-control. You need to make the choice to live a life of discipline and self-control. If you find out there's different foods that aren't really healthy for you. I, I, don't, I don't preach health foods. But if you find out there's things that messes your body up, make yourself quit at those things, or at least in moderation. Now, I want, to, I, I want to head to the finish line for this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And this was what actually uh, spawned this a couple days ago in the devotions. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And we're still staying on the theme of the Bible about your race, about your course, about finishing what you started. Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, Wherefore, see, we are also are compassed about, are surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses. And he's talking about from Hebrews chapter 11, told dozens and dozens of examples of the Old Testament uh, saints that won their race, that did what God wanted to do, 
the persecution they went through, the things they endured so they could stay in the race and win. He said, we're surrounded by all these witnesses. He says this, pray that God will lay aside the weights in your life. No, life is a choice. Let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight. We, as Christians, have to choose what to do about time stealers. And in modern times, with smartphones and everything else there is out there to grab our attention, there's so many time stealers out there now, I can't even mention them all. But in a track meet, now listen to this, because he's talking about runners. He said in a race, he said, lay aside every weight. In a track meet, the runners don't run with heavy clothing or weights in their hands or on their feet. I know that uh, some of my kids over the years have bought the little weight things and put them on their feet or ankles or something and put things on them to make resistance while they're running. Well, that's for practice, but you don't run the track meet that way. And I've noticed that these runners, they wear really ultra-thin uh, jogging shorts, running tops, things they do. And these swimmers in the swimming meets, they wear super lightweight things to swim with so they don't pick up water and hold them back. And so in our race, we have got to recognize what's a weight. We're going to talk about sins in a minute because it said weights and sins. But there's weights that aren't, that aren't necessarily sin, but they hold you back. One of them would be your smartphone. I don't know about you. I know about me. I've let that thing suck me too many times, suck the life out of me. Think, man, I was going to glance at this one thing, and then 40 minutes later, you didn't glance at that one thing. You, gl you glanced at 15 things, 20 things. And then you get done, you think, what did I just read that meant anything about anything? That all that was was gossip. None of that was the truth. That can't be proven. What a horrible thing to do. And, and also, I told you I was a TV addict before I got saved. Well, I've learned over the years, you know, that's like anything else you've been delivered from, smoking, drinking, or anything else. If you open the door, that addiction comes back in. And so, Mrs. Pastor and I kind of have our routine now where we can handle it okay. We watch old movies, 1940s, 1950s, most of them. We watch old movies and old TV shows but by 10 o'clock max, it's out. Sometimes by 9 o'clock, it's out. Because we know that was something that was a weight, held us back. Do you know if you stay up watching TV till midnight or 1, it's kind of hard to get up at 6 and pray and read your Bible before you go to work? It holds you back. I remember, that, now this is something that, you know, sound, might sound like a nothing to you, but when I was a truck driver, my time was limited how much I can have the Lord, because if I got in from a run late at night, had to get up early the next morning to be back in there, man, my Bible time was short. And so I remember one year for Christmas, somebody gave us uh, a Reader's Digest subscription. That's really good magazine. Nothing at all about that, but I knew how much I loved Reader's Digest. And so I knew I had a choice for the limited amount of time I had. I either read all these funny little stories, all these interesting things for hours and hours and hours and hours, or I could read my Bible, faith books, and grow my faith. So I made the choice I wouldn't read it. And so they, that prescription, I don't think they're going to heaven now. But anyway, uh, that, that, that subscription, whoever gave that to us, I think for three years that came to my house, I never read one of them. Because I knew that was something that I loved it. And if I read and started reading it, it'd get a hold on me. 
So I couldn't. And this is what Paul said. He said, let us lay aside every weight. Because we're running a race. Lay aside every weight. Every weight. And so, you know, I just say this for us as Christians. You're not my Holy Spirit. I'm not yours. I don't know what would be a weight to you. I don't know what would be a weight to me. I can judge me, and Jesus will judge me. And so if I judge me, something's a weight to me, but it's not a weight to you. That's your business between you and God. I'm not going to judge you. But see, in my heart, I know when something is still in my time. I know when something is still in my faith. And I'm so grateful when Pastor Dave got leukemia with crippled, I didn't have to go to a funny antidote out of Reader's Digest try to get him healed. I knew where to go in the Bible because that's what I majored on. I knew how to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus with the Word of God because that's where I lived. And so when the devil got on his case, tried to take him out early, two weeks later, totally healed. But I couldn't have got that. I could not have got that off reading social media things. It's a real race. I'm not just shadow boxing or praying around. How about you? I'm not playing around. And so anyway, we must discipline ourselves to set aside time for prayer and meditate in the Word of God. And I want to say this again so I'm not taken wrong. I'm not talking to being religious fanatics that you don't enjoy life. Nobody wants to be around you. I'm talking about having a disciplined spiritual routine where you take care of first things first, eternity's forever. Little League's not forever. It's fun, but it can't rule your life. Amen. And any other kind of recreation out there, it's fun. And unless you're called to that as your field of ministry, it can't consume all your time. Amen. Is anybody mad? That's preaching. That's the Word of God. That's speaking the truth in love. And so anyway, uh, we, we, we only got to know that Jesus and us can determine what weights are. And then it says, lay aside every sin. Weights and sins. Weights slow you down, but they're not sins. Lay aside every sin that so easily ensnares us. Sin is a blessing blocker. You've got to get that. Sin will shut off the anointing. Sin will not get rid of the love of Jesus. Jesus said, no matter what you do, I love you. But sin will stop the anointing. Sin will, sin will stop the blessing. Sin should be easy to identify, so I'm not going to preach about sin. But he said, you're supposed to lay aside every sin. You. You've got to make the choice. And so if you read your Bible and you attend church services consistently where the Bible's taught, you're going to know what sin is. Main thing is, uh, you're not going to find out what sin is hanging around in the bar. You're not going to find out what sin is uh, watching secular movies all the time because they're loaded with all the things that God doesn't want you to do. You've got to come to church. You've got to hear the Word taught. No matter what church, they've got to teach the Word. And James 4, 17, you write it down. It'll probably be on the sin, probably be on the screen. But J James 4, 17 says this, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. If you know in your heart something's wrong to do, and you still do it, then you know, you know you're sinning. And he said, lay aside every sin. And so we as Christians, we as Christians have to know that God has given us the power of choice. The power of choice. And Paul told Timothy, there comes a place in a Christian's life where they come calloused to sin. And the way I like to say it is this. 
if you knew when you got born again that things that you were doing were wrong, and now all of a sudden, a few years down the road, they don't seem wrong anymore, you can do it now. God didn't change, you did. If it was wrong then, it's wrong now. If the Bible says it was sin when you got saved 30 years ago, the Bible didn't change, it's still sin now. Amen. And so, you know, when we talk about those things, we're talking about running this race to win, not for fun. He said, lay aside every weight, every sin. And so I call that, God's got his part, we got our part. God said, you do it and I'll help you, but if you don't do it, I can't help you. Amen. Amen. And uh, so anyway, Living Bible says, then this last part, let us, let us run with patience. And I wanted to read this out of the Living Bible because it's so important. Let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. The particular race. And people have got to know we are not clones. We're not called to do the same thing. In our church, we got some people that love to work with children. I love children, eight of them, not 25 grandchildren, but I sure don't want to be up in a Sunday school room with them for an hour. They wouldn't like me. I mean, man, how much can I teach them if I keep giving them candy bars and cupcakes to let them go nuts? That's what grandpas do. We do things like that, let our kids, let our grandkids do things our kids never got to do. Like that, everybody, everybody, everybody in this church does not want to get up there and sing. And we all don't want everybody to sing. Everybody does not want to be an usher. Everybody doesn't want to clean. There's things that we all want to do, but the particular race that is set before us, that's what we do. Okay. Now, we will close right here. And so verse 2, he says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who gave you the faith to start off with? Jesus. Who's going to help your faith grow? Jesus, the finisher. We're talking about finishing. And so the, years ago, the Lord told me this. This is what I'll leave with you. For this verse right here, he said, to keep, to keep our eyes on Jesus. And we've all heard that. How many here has somebody ever told you, keep your eyes on Jesus? How many of you ever told somebody, keep your eyes on Jesus? But here's the way the Holy Ghost told me years ago. To keep your eyes on Jesus is to keep your eyes on the Word. Keep your eyes on the Word is to keep your eyes on Jesus. And so we as believers have to know if you're helping somebody in life and you give them verses and you talk to them a week later, later they're still whining and crying say what about that verse i gave you are you reading it are you quoting it what was it i don't know well you're not keeping your eyes on jesus then you keep your eyes on the word you keep my eyes on jesus and that's how i can tell if i'm really helping people tonight if i'm helping people go through hard times if i talk to them and after a reasonable amount of time they still don't know any bible verses then they're not keeping their eyes on jesus they're just running for fun Amen, amen, amen. Help anybody? Amen. That's it. That is it. I had no funny stories tonight. <laughs> but it was kind of serious, wasn't it? Which one? 
<laughs> yeah, I was funny that night. I'm glad old, I'm glad old George got his clock cleaned. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, Pastor Dave, you got your mic up there? Yep. Amen. All right, everybody, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Praise the Lord. We'll say goodbye to our live stream audience tonight.